Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com on today's Tour Catch-Up. TFO sets up a final with Zverev in Vienna. Contivate meets Hallett in Transylvania. And Novak Djokovic makes his return for the Paris Masters. Kim, we are here Sunday morning. It is it is early, but the reason we're doing it early is because I excitingly am catching a flight to Prague to watch the Fed Cup. Yes, I know it's called the Billie Jean King Cup, but that for me is a bit of a mouthful. So I'm still calling it the Fed Cup. But yeah, we are here bright and early on Sunday morning to have a bit of a chat about all the tennis that's been going on this week as usual. But obviously this time we are going to be previewing the finals, which are happening on later today. Absolutely. I'm very jealous, Joel, that you're managing to escape this this terrible <laughs> weather that we're having. It, is, it is miserable. It yeah. is miserable outside. <laughs> I'm going to seek refuge in the indoor arenas of oh, the indoor court of uh, of Prague. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be quite cold out there. But yeah, hopefully none of this uh, none of this rain that I'm just yeah looking out the window and it's just absolutely lashing it down. Prague is a lovely place, so I will um, I'll look out for you on the telly and <laughs> hopefully uh, see you that way. <laughs> but um, yeah, we do have a whole host of tournaments to catch up on um, that are you know, not quite finished just yet, but almost finished. And uh, let's begin with Vienna, because I think that's the, the main one that's been going on really this week, the, the ATP 500. Mm. Um, lots of kind of stories involved in this one, um, you know, not to mention the likes of Cam Norrie and, and Yannick Sinner and Herkaj all trying to get those sort of points uh, on board for uh, making like a final place at the Turin, um, you know, ATP finals. But we also had Andy Murray in action, who had a great win. Um, we've got a final between Francis Tiafo and, and Sasha Zverev lined up for today. So lots to discuss with with this tournament alone. And um, I mean, let's let's begin with with the final that we've got lined up because I think Zverev, you know pretty predictable he's had a great week generally speaking like he's had to come through in a few three setters but um he's made his way into the final he's been playing pretty well and I I expect him to win later on today um but Francis Tiafo has had a yeah fantastic week he's had some big scalps he beat Stefanos Tsitsipas he beat uh, Yannick Sinner yesterday also Schwartzman so he'll be um certainly not one to um you know he's certainly going to give it his all today in the final isn't he yeah, it's it's amazing. On on one side, yeah, we've we had sort of a predictable I mean Zverev's playing some very, very good tennis. It all came together against Alcaraz in that semi-final. I thought that was gonna be like a I actually thought that was gonna be like the long three setter and the TFO Sinner match was gonna be kind of a straightforward job for for Sinner, which was it was looking like that for uh, you know the majority of it, but it was a complete opposite way round and yeah, Zverev really brought it all together um, in the semi-final. As you said, had a kind of a few three-set victories en route. But yeah, he really kind of 
made sure in that semi-final he was just able to kind of shut down Alcaraz and you know again he's just been serving immensely at the moment and it's I think really helped him in terms of winning those three points putting the pressure on the returner um in you know in their game so you know that was uh you know I think to be expected but yeah very very impressive from from Zverev but yeah Francis Tiafo has been the surprise package this week hasn't he I mean he came through came through qualifying as well wasn't even kind of in the main draw automatically which I think shows you how loaded this this draw was but uh yeah to come through Sissipas Schwartzman and then Yannick Sinner who uh, what he was a setup he was I think 5-3 up in the second set as well and then TFO storms back and, and wins it. I mean, this guy, he just, you know, he just feeds off the energy of the crowd, doesn't he? He always looks to them for inspiration. And once he got that sniff that there was a potential comeback on, he just had that, I just think he had that belief. And I think that enabled him to kind of, you know, use that belief to kind of get him through and win in three sets, win those big points. And yeah, he'll be absolutely delighted with himself because, you know, he's a player who is, is immensely talented, but I mean, up until, you know, April, April, 2021, I saw this on, on Twitter, his record against the top 10 was one, three loss 21. I mean, he was a player who, you know, was there on the tour, you know, doing well, you know, doing well for himself, but not necessarily, I think, exceeding expectations as much as perhaps some people might think but I certainly think with this tournament it's he's shown us I think another level to his game and as I said I think he just loves feeding off the crowd energy and he's using that I think to kind of propel him to uh to new places um you know and new achievements uh in his career yeah, it's a little surprising that he had to qualify for for the you know for mm. a five hundred, but it does just show you. Yeah, it's a very strong field. It's pr- practically a Masters, really, isn't it? <laughs> I in know terms of the lineup. It's like a mini Masters, isn't it? <laughs> and he's only actually TFO won one ATP title, which was back in um, three years ago in Delray Beach. So, you know, you sort of think he's been around for a while. Like he would have, you know, he's had a few like wins here and there, but you know, he's actually only got one title on under his belt and. Yeah, perhaps we just, it was all that hype that there was around him and he hasn't quite lived up to that. So maybe he's, you know, finally, um, it's coming to fruition a little bit, hopefully. I mean, if we just look at kind of TFO's career, I mean, do you think he's underachieved or do you think, you know, his, it's just like, yeah, he was, over, he was just overhyped. Like, you know, we've seen that, we've seen that a lot with, you know, American players in the past where, you know, it, they've not, it's not necessarily worked, worked out for them, but. Do you think with Tiafo, I mean, do you think one title, given where he's at in his career, is that is that good enough? Or do you think, you know, that's that's to be expected? There's a lot of, you know, top guys um on the tour kind of battling for, you know, titles and you know, they're they're just a little bit better than Tiafo. Yeah, I mean, in this era as well, you know, he's he has emerged within the big three mm. contexts, which makes it hard mm. for anyone. But he is still only, I think, what, 23, 24? He's still young. So um, I, I think there's plenty of time for him to to turn it around. So I wouldn't say underachievement when he's still at that age. I think if it was like late 20s, it might be bef- might be a different story. I mean, I think for the final today, it's going to be a real task trying to beat Zverev because Zverev hasn't lost a final this season. You know, he's he's been in really, really good form, but, you know, only lost a couple of matches since, um, you know, Wimbledon, I think, you know, obviously he won the Olympic gold medal. And I think, you know, he spoke about that match against Djokovic at the Olympics. It's been a bit of a turning point. And um, I think, you know, he's very confident at the moment. And, I, I, you know, I fully expect him to win probably in straight sets. But, 
you know, TFO has been a bit up and down this week, you know, <laughs> coming back obviously against Sinner, but you know, he's, he's, yeah, I, I think Zverev will be much more consistent today, but I think, um, I think also their head to head is very one-sided for, for Sasha Zverev, but um, yeah, it's been, it's been lovely watching TFO and yeah, that match against Sinner, very surprising because Sinner, you know, had won like 11 straight matches uh, 22 straight sets, you know, and he looked to be swimmingly like comfortable and then it just all sort of changed. So it's, yeah, big, big shock. It was so bizarre. I mean, as you said, he's just been, he's like been the Annette Quantivate of the, uh, of the men's, uh, indoor, indoor season so far. Uh, just, yeah, winning all these matches, all in straight sets, had a very nice victory against Casper Rude, uh, in the quarterfinals and, you know, a set, set and five free up and yeah it just it just did not materialize for him i mean he'll be i think he'll obviously be disappointed with that um but you know tfo is just a, he's just such a great great competitor and he's got that obviously never say die attitude that was able to kind of get him through um looking elsewhere though we've had some you know fantastic matches uh you know across the across the whole week and particularly for you know british fans it's been an interesting one because it's been a bit i think bittersweet in the sense that you know, we'll, we'll get on to Andy Murray in a sec, but I mean, t- you were talking about kind of the race to the, the top eight, uh, Turin, Cam Norrie against Felix Auger Aliassime. How did he lose that tie break, Kim? It was, you know, it, again, a little bit like Sinner in the, uh, semi finals. It, it looked quite plain sailing for Norrie. He won that first set 6 2, went to a tie break. Um, you know, I think he was, what was he? I think he was 6 3 up in the tie break, had match points. Uh, and Felix Oja Aliassim just again a bit like Francis TFO just did not did not give up and was able to come through, which I would say is a bit of a heartbreaker for for Nori given you know where he was and you know the momentum he was kind of carrying into to Vienna. Um, yeah, I think he'll be a bit kind of sad for that. And you know for Oja Aliassim, I think that was you know for him that was last chance saloon. He was going to need to win that match in order to stay in the race for for Turin. So you know even though we're having these matches, I think in like you know, round one, round two, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot riding on them given the, uh, the context of, of ranking points and uh, yeah, what it means to, to, to end up in the, uh, in the top eight. Yeah. That was a frustrating match <laughs> for Cam Norrie, you know, having three match points in a row and not being able to close out. Um, really frustrating, especially given that, yeah, like the context of trying to get into the, you know, the, the final eight for Turin, but, and Herkaj lost in round one as well. Yeah, exactly. That really opened the door, didn't it? Because Andy Murray did him a big favour by beating Hubert Herkaj in the first round, which was a great win for Andy. And it was his first top 10 victory um, since August last year. And, well, only his second top 10 victory uh, in the last four years. So I think that's really, really pleasing, um, you know, for Andy Murray. I think his movement was a lo- is a lot better, which he was saying, you know, he's reading the ball better with the fact that he's actually able to to get more consistent matches on tour and not have these sort of niggling injuries, which causes him to be out for, you know, however many matches at a time. Um, and it was a shame he wasn't able to then go on. You know, he lost to Alcaraz in the next round. But I mean, Alcaraz was playing very high level this week, um, you know, getting to the semi-finals. So... Yeah, certainly. And I mean, with, with Andy, that was such a good, I mean, that was such a good win against Hokage. I was sort of, I think Hokage has been his bogeyman for the last, you know, last few months. Hokage, I think, had the opportunity to make it a hat trick of victories against Andy Murray. But, um, again, I think it shows, it shows how well I think Andy can, you know, can play. Um, I do think we're getting into this pattern, Kim, of he's wins a match, loses a match, 
gets a wild card for the next tournament and, and moves on. And uh, yeah, he will be on a wild card, I think, at the Paris Masters. And he's going to be, I think he's taken a wild card into Stockholm as well. Interestingly, there's been some chat about Davis Cup. Should he play Davis Cup? Shouldn't he? He's not on the... He's not on the uh, the team sheet at the moment, um, but I thought it was quite interesting because you know Dan Evans, you know is is not in the best form at the moment. I mean, he lost in in round one to to Alcaraz, and uh, you know I was just kind of wondering, you know, I, you know I don't I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Andy Murray will end up playing Davis Cup, but but if he did, Kim, would you you know given given Evans' form at the moment, would you? Do you see Andy as as the num? Would you have Andy as number two in the singles, or would you still prefer kind of Nori and and Dan Evans as your number one and two? I personally would still go for Nori and Evans. I think it would be a bit of a slap in the face for Dan Evans in a way if Andy Murray was picked over him, and not to deny Andy's greatness, but you know Evans has done so well to get up to where he is in the rankings. You know he's much higher ranked than Andy Murray currently is, and I think you know he needs to be rewarded for that with a, a solid starting place in the Davis Cup, and I think. You know, yes, Andy obviously had this win over Herkaj just just now, but you know he's still, like you said, it's not he's not consistently getting multiple wins in a row. And uh, okay, perhaps you could say the same about Dan Evans, but I, I yeah, I don't think I would love to have Andy in there as well. But I, I think I would go with Nori and Evans. Perhaps people will disagree, but I mean, certainly Cam Norrie's got to be your number one right now. And a couple of other incidents that happened over the week that people have been picking up on. We've got to, Kim, address the the ball boys and these fit the fishnet equipment that they they hold to to pick up the ball. Now, this is not a new thing. I think this has been in Vienna for the last, I think, three seasons. I think it was one of their sort of innovations, and they've kind of carried it through. We have not commented on it. What are your What are your thoughts on this? Like fishing, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a fishing net that they use to pick up the ball. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. It's, it's, I've, I've obviously seen it before, but it's, if, if, is it only at this tournament? It feels like I only see it in, in Vienna. Um, I know it makes it stand out a bit more. It just looks, just looks a bit funny, really. It's like they're playing, it's like they're playing lacrosse, I think, on a, on a tennis court. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's different. It's something you don't see anywhere else, but I think it's quite a, a neat little idea. And perhaps, you know, it will, Perhaps it will be unrolled elsewhere. I mean, you'd have to ask the ball kids for for their feedback. I don't know if any of them have, have done a tournament without the the little nets. Um, Kim, I cannot see it at Wimbledon. Could you imagine? It would just too much innovation there. I think for uh, the traditions of uh, yeah of the the championships. Yeah, I, I I don't know if it is is it the most efficient. Uh, you know, it's certainly more hygienic. But obviously, this was introduced way before COVID, I suppose. But um, I don't know if it's the most. I don't know. I I think obviously it works well here. Not sure it's going to become a, a running thing. But you know, we've had other innovations like the towel boxes. So perhaps someone will think, oh, I'll try this at another tournament, and it will it will become more of a thing. But yeah, it's it's quite funky to watch. And we also had a couple of announcements uh, in, well, regarding Austrians. Uh, Jürgen Meltzer, who I didn't even realise, Kim, um, was still playing tennis. He was playing doubles with Zverev, uh, I think on a wild card. And that was, you know, sadly, that was Jürgen Meltzer's last tournament. He has decided to call it quits. Um, He has retired. Um, I mean, he has had a very long career. I mean, he was 
you know, he was around in the days of, you know, like Tim Henman, which shows incredible, I think, longevity. Um, and that's probably one well, you know, part of his legacy. And, you know, just actually thinking about his career, I mean, he has been, you know, he has been one of the very few players. He has reached top 10 in singles, top 10 in doubles. I mean, that is, that is very, very impressive stuff. And, uh, you know, for Jürgen Meltzer, who, you know, I think it was a very, very, very solid competitor. I think he made the most actually of being around at a time where, you know, pre big three that he could, you know, do quite well for himself. Um, and he's gone into this sort of doubles phase, I think, for the last kind of couple of years to kind of extend, I think, his, his career. But, um, yeah, at 40 years old, he has decided to retire and he just, he wanted to retire in front of his home fans in Vienna. So it was great to see, um, great to see him get that sort of last hurrah out. Uh, they lost to him and Zverev lost to, to John Piers and Philip Palasek, the third seed, seven, six, seven, five, um, who uh, went into the kind of quarterfinals. But um, yeah, Jürgen Meltzer, I mean, he started, he turned professional came in 1999. So to still be playing tennis in 2021, that's uh, a yeah, fantastic achievement. Yeah, I, I remember seeing him at a Davis Cup tie of Great Britain against Austria at Wimbledon in like 2007, I want to say, 2009, something like that. And um, yeah, I didn't realise he was... I mean, I'd seen his draw in, yes, I'd seen his name in sort of a few draws um, here and there lately, but I didn't realise that, you know, this was his final retirement. So um, we bid him a fond farewell. I think, um, you know, one of his big wins was that win over um, Novak at the French Open in 2010. I think he got all the way to the semis. That was his deepest run at a singles Grand Slam. And uh, yeah, I, I remember that happening. But um uh, yeah, good goodbye, Alfida saying Jürgen Meltzer. It's been nice having you on the tour. And um, yeah, like you said, goes back to the days of Tim Hemman. So old, isn't he, Joel? <laughs> I mean, gosh. Um, and just a note, talking about Piers and Palasek, they lost to Joe Salisbury and Rajiv Ram in the semi-finals. So we've got Joe Salisbury up in the final with Ram against Farah and Cabal, or Cabal and Farah, I should say, um, later on today. So perhaps some British success in Vienna as well. Um, and just one other thing, uh, Vienna, I thought this was quite interesting. Dominic Team, you know, he's not playing for the rest of the year. He's got, you know, had that wrist injury. So he uh, announced fairly early on that he wasn't playing for the rest of the year. But, you know, he's 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 Austrian. He wanted to come and see a bit of the, the, te- the tennis. But the tournament told him he wasn't allowed in because he hasn't had his COVID vaccine. And therefore, you know, they're not going to bend the rules just for him. He can't attend uh, the tennis this week. And uh, he said he's waiting for the Novavax vaccine. Mm. Yeah, poor Dominic team. He can't, nothing's going right for him this season. He can't even go watch his his home tournament. But uh, yeah, it was it was quite, you know, it's quite interesting not bending the rules. Um, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'm sure some people will be a little bit surprised, you know, not vaccinated yet. But um, yeah, I think he, he said... Look, he, I think he's on the case of kind of look. If, if it sounds like he, when he plays next season, Australian Open, yeah, he will be kind of fully vaccinated. But yeah, just <laughs> barred, barred from his home tournament uh, in Vienna. So yeah, <laughs> it's just a bit of a yeah, just a bit awkward, I think. Um, but let's move on to Transylvania because this was a new tournament. We were all kind of having a bit of a laugh, bit of a giggle around the fact that it was Halloween and uh, the Transylvania opening open was happening in Romania. Um, you know, it started, I think, a bit on a on a sad note in the sense that there was no going to be no fans there. But it, we have had some really good matches, and we have got a really exciting final in store for us later today. Simona Halep, Annette Kontaveit, 
lots riding on this. Annette Conteve, obviously, if she wins this, uh, Anjabor will not be happy, I don't think. Um, <laughs> but uh, she will guarantee her place in Guadalajara in the WTA top eight. And I think that also will put her in the top 10, WTA top 10 for the first time. So if that happens, if Contivate wins, but if Simona Hallett wins, that's going to be, you know, that's her first title of the season. You know, she's not had a great season. She lost a coach. So it would be a really great moment, I think, for her to, you know, to to win something, particularly in her home and on a home tournament. So there's a lot riding here. I think Halep has a pretty superior head to head record against Contivate, but I mean, they are both also playing very, very good tennis. And Kim, those semi-final score lines, particularly Halep versus Kostuk, I think it just showed you how good both those players are playing at the moment. Yeah, no prisoners taken. Halep, actually, she's you know steamrolled her way through the draw, really, uh, very very comfortably. And uh, I'd love to see her pick up a title. You know, she's had a difficult year, and um, you know, but Conteve is the informed player at the moment, so it'll be a real good you know test and of her uh, of where she's at. And uh, yeah, obviously, home fans would be delighted if she could get it, even though they're not allowed in to watch. Um, especially you know that that win for Halep over Kostuk. You know, Kostuk in the previous round had. You know, kind of thrashed Emma Raducanu, six two six one. You know, much to the dismay of British fans. Um, you know, Raducanu didn't play very well, particularly a lot of unforced errors. She said she woke up on the morning of that match feeling very tired. Um, you know, she's not obviously uh, sort of majorly upset. You know, as she said, she's this is all a learning curve, and you know, she, she you know, it's it's obviously going to come with time, and she's going to have these sorts of results. You know, it's to be expected. She's still so inexperienced on the tour. Um, but you know, Marta Kostuk you know also a very young up-and-coming player great things said about her I thought she'd make more of a match of it you know in the semi with with Hallett but yeah just blasted off the court really and um you know I think we've got the final that perhaps yeah it's 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 very tasty because it is like you say an informed player up against you know top seed home favorite you know it's Simona Hallett so yeah I'm definitely gonna be tuning into that one this afternoon while you're on your flight to Prague <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm really it could I really think it could go either way and uh yeah I think it's the final final the tournament organizers wanted probably is their you know their first um you know their, their debut of the tournament I think it's the final fans wanted I know I think fans were really hoping for a Hallett Raducanu semi-final and we were getting quite close to that matchup happening but not quite not quite happening um but yeah it was fascinating to to see Raducanu you know given her Romanian heritage um you know it it she was really it felt like she was really embraced um at the tournament and you know she picked up her first WTA tour win um in the first round against Herchog came through Bogdan who um again I well gave really kind of glowing praise I think of Raducanu in the in the build-up to that match but um I think that was quite the opposite to kind of Marta Kostuk because I got the impression from Marta Kostuk that um you know she was quite frustrated I think I was reading about you know seeing someone like Raducanu similar age breaking onto the scene but doing it in a way that she won you know she won a grand slam and I really think that added extra motivation for, for Kostuk who you know, is 19 years old. I, you know, she's a little bit more experienced on the tour. She's not necessarily had the, the breakout moment that, that Raducanu has, but I definitely felt that added an extra kind of fuel to the fire for, for Kostuk. And maybe that's why it was such, you know, led to such a one-sided scoreline. Yes, Raducanu, I think was a bit 
bit tired but i think costic also had just extra motivation to be like you know yeah there are other sort of 19 year old uh up and coming players as well it's not all just about radicanu and um that really was a, a statement win i think for for costic um i think less said about that semi that semi-final against Halep the better but um yeah i think it was a, a statement i think from costic that it's like yes there's all this praise being um given to and, and spotlight being put on on radicanu at the moment but yes there are certainly other players there who are you know wanting to make a name for themselves Sounds like she's a bit bitter, a bit jealous, <laughs> um, which, you know, you'd understand she obviously thinks that's where I should be. But, you know, she hasn't gone and won a Grand Slam, has she? So, yeah, I mean, I understand her frustration. But um, I mean, what I thought was really nice, it came out in the news this week that Emma Raducanu has gifted the US Open trophy to the LTA and, and loaned it to them. So it's on display at the NTC, which is really nice. Um, you know, she sort of said that the LTA, the LTA have done so much for her and she wanted to you know, gift it to them as a, as a big sort of thank you. So hopefully, you know, people arriving at the NTC to train there, you know, they'll see this title and think, oh, that could be me. Perhaps, you know, the younger players who are, who are growing up and training, they can use that as a bit of motivation. But I thought that was a really nice touch. And, you know, we do hear quite a bit of critique sometimes from British players about the LTA. So I guess the, the LTA are probably like relieved uh, in somewhat that Emma Raducanu has, you know, spoken so glowingly of all the help they've given her as well. Yes. And Kim, we've got to talk about Jacqueline Christiane, who are, you know, she was fully embracing the Halloween spirit, let's say, um, in Transylvania. She walked on in a cape. Uh, as part of her entrance uh, i absolutely loved it um what what were you what were you thinking about it i saw on twitter people calling her like countess dracula um and yeah i just absolutely loved it i sort of wished more players had em- embraced some sort of cape or fangs maybe i don't know but uh, it was great to see players get involved and having some fun, I think, with this tournament. Uh, I love the look of the court as well with the, the purple against the black. Um, on social media as well, they've been embracing the, yeah, all the, the Halloween puns and all that sort of stuff. And to see the players do it as well, it was just a, it's just so great to see. But, uh, yeah, Kim, what did you make of the, what did you make of, of Christian's cape, cape on court? Was that a, a fashion fave or a, a fashion faux pas for you? For me, it's a fave. And I, I like the fact that, you know, she, this is her home tournament. She's got a wild card into it. She's obviously making the most of it. And if that involves, you know, walking out into court in a cape, then so be it. And she went through <laughs> and reached, um, well, she got to the quarterfinals and lost yeah. to Halep. So I think it obviously did her, did her well. And I think, you know, she, she could, uh, have words with the strictly costume department and they could, you know, <laughs> give her some, some sparkles or some sequins for next year. But I think, um, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was embracing the, the theme of, of the week and I guess the tournament. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great. I think I wish everyone could maybe every week they could have some sort of outfit that references the, the, tournament they're playing you know to sort of liven things up a bit I think that would be great <laughs> and some other tournaments happening this week as well lest we forget uh, we've got St Petersburg going on uh, out in Russia and we've got a final with Marin Cilic and Taylor Fritz lined up so Cilic is into his well second final in a row um, so far and uh, I mean yeah I think well I don't really know Chilich Fritz Chilich Fritz debating who's going to win that one I'm going to go with Marin Chilich but um I think most notably 
some results from the top seeds this week. We had Andre Rublev losing to Botic van der Zanschulp. Um Yeah, just kind of showing that Rublev's having a bit of a mare, really, at the end of the season. I mean, I don't think, from from current sort of results, Rublev in Turin don't see him sort of being much of a feature if he's going to be losing to the likes of Botic van der Zanschulp in, in straight sets. And we also had uh, John Millman knocking out Aslan Karatsev, 6-3, 6-2. So Karatsev, off the back of a Kremlin Cup win, uh, was not able to make it uh, two victories in a row. And yeah, fell to, to John Millman, which is a bit of a surprising result. Also Shapovalov losing out in straight sets to Jan Leonard Struff. So top seeds falling by the wayside. Um, Marin Cilic is there to to soak up their their losses and to make his way into the final. And uh, Taylor Fritz having a great week as well. Um, yeah, I'd expect Chilich to come out on top in that one. But um, I think, you know, the main focus is really Vienna this week. This this tournament's sort of, you know, not not sort of catching as many eyes to, you know, it's fair to say, I think. But yeah, van der Zanschel having a great week, you know, continuing his, his good form from the US Open. Um, and then, before we move on to to the second half, Joel, Cormayeur for the ladies as well. We've got um, a final between Donna Vekic and Clara Torsen lined up uh, for that one today. So, um, again, Torsen had a really um, battling semi-final in that one, say five match points against uh, Samsonova, um, whereas Donna Vekic, slightly different route uh, getting into that final. She came through quite comfortably. Um over Jasmine Paolini and uh, yeah, Donna Beckett just had quite a straightforward week uh, results wise. So not sure who's going to be the most up for, for the final. I think despite Torsen sort of battling wins this week, I think she could actually edge it because, uh, you know, she is, she's, she's, you know, she's done pretty well, I think, in the finals that she's reached this year. She's got quite a good um, record in her in her finals. I think don't think she's lost a, a singles final this year. So I think, I think my money's on Torsen if I had to pick actually. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm with you on that. I think Donna Vekic as well. She's not really been tested uh over over the week. Um also with Torsen, she had a great match with Anne Lee. Anne Lee's been on fire recently. Um and that that felt like a, a quarter final between two players very much in form. I think it um you know, obviously Torsen came out on top and again she's gonna be another one of these hungry players who, yeah, maybe is like looking at Radicani's results and being like, Yeah, don't you know, don't forget about me and again she's got an opportunity here to uh you know to to win a title. Um, you know, Donna Vekic is yeah, she's she's been around a while and uh she's been on you know, she's been on the scene and you know, I think you know, she, there's 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 a chance here, you know, of her of her winning a title, but I certainly think Torson might be hungrier um to to win it and I wouldn't be surprised. I'm gonna be with you there. I think I think Torson could win that potentially in, in three sets. I don't think it's gonna be straightforward. Um but uh yeah, I'm gonna go back Torson for that one. Okie doke. Let's take a quick break now, but do come back and join us in the second half where we'll be looking at what's in store at the Paris Masters, whether the WTA should have a next-gen finals, and also looking ahead to the Billie Jean King Cup in Prague. So do not go anywhere. This is The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to move on to little quiz section before we get on to the previews for next week. Uh, Joel, I think you've got a par for the courts up your sleeve for me this week. 
Yes, is that I, correct? Yes, I, I do. I want to be tested. <laughs> yes, I do, Kim. I've got a par for the courts for you. So it's quite, yeah, quite more, quite more recent one. Uh, it is male focused. Um, I saw this again, saw this little stat on, on Twitter. Um, so want to check your, challenge your, your brains to it. So, um, my topic for you is the last 11 players to break into the ATP top 10. Now, I say 11 players because two did it at the same point. Um, but yeah, I'm looking for any any male player who's broken into the top 10. Um, and I'll give you the, the dates I'm sort of looking for. So they have been between the 10th of June 2019 and the 1st of November 2021. So it's going to happen tomorrow. Oh, okay. I think I know the player that's going in tomorrow. <laughs> so maybe I'll start there. But what's what do you think the the par score should be? Yeah. What are you so, what are you gauging? I think this is quite I think this is quite dare I say an easy one. So I'm going to set the par score at I'm going to I'm going to be quite nice. I'm going to say 6 out 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10. Okay. But isn't there 11 players? Oh, sorry. Six out of 11. Sorry. God, I'm just Six getting out so of 11. Yeah. Six out of 11. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. I be- yeah, for me, the difficulty is there are some players that I'm not sure if they were in the top 10 before that date in 2019 or whether it's been after. So I'm going to start with the more recent ones. Um, so tomorrow, I think Yannick Sinner is going into the top 10. Correct. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, who have we had quite recently? Casper Ruud. Correct. Yes. Did he you become top ten. In, yep. Thirteenth of September, twenty twenty one. Hubert Hercage has is has been is is top ten or has been yeah because Andy Burrows just beaten a top ten player so he must be the top ten. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Uh, 18th of October, 2021. Yep. So those are the yep. three, <laughs> three most recent. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So halfway there already. Dennis Shap. Okay. Uh, I don't know exactly when, but Dennis Shapovalov would have reached the top 10 in that time frame as well. Correct. Yes. Shapovalov, 21st of September, 2020. Yep. Um, Matteo Berrettini. Correct. Yes. 28th of October, 2019. So yeah, Berrettini's in there. So that's five. So I'm looking for one more. One more for par for the court, Kim. See, Rublev must have been there before Berrettini. So I think he must be prior to 2019. Um, Oh, it must be someone that's gone in and gone out again, I think. Um, Oh, no. Oh, Diego Schwartzman. Or was he there before? No, I think he went in and is out again, but he must be one of them. You going to say Schwartzman? Yeah, I'm going to say Schwartzman. <laughs> Correct. Yes, Schwartzman is in there. 12th of October yes. 2020. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, you that could have said. Be Ru- after his run at the French Open. Yeah, you could have said Rublev as well. Um, Bautista Agut. Okay. Medvedev, 
uh, back in oh, 2019. Okay. And then the two who joined oh, on... gosh. The two who went in on the same day, 10th of June 2019, Fabio Fornini and Karen Kachinov. <sighs> and I'll be interested to see. Right, I mean, okay. I don't feel like... I was going to say PCB, but... <laughs> yeah so uh yeah it was um yeah those were your those are your players so yeah well done you did uh you got par for the court this time i'm surprised berrettini made the top 10 before medvedev that's that surprised me but um fair play <laughs> i didn't want to say Rublev or medvedev because i thought they would have got there before berrettini but there we go um no that's a that's a good one joe i had to really think about that so i hope our listeners enjoyed playing along to that one um we've got a mailbag today as well from graham on twitter who got in touch with us so thanks for reaching out graham said do you think the wta should do a similar atp style next gen end of season finals think of the matchups um that's a great question graham um i know what my answer for this is um joel what what's your kind of take i think um for for me this is i, I mean it's i think it'd be a fantastic idea i i'm i'm surprised this is even a question um i i feel like this should exist i feel like hopefully with this sort of new collaborative approach between the atp and wta dare i say maybe there's an opportunity to combine it into into one event maybe um so sh- to showcase the best of men and women uh next gen together um but yeah i feel like at the moment you know given the well, i mean we always talk about it the depth of, of women's tennis it just feels a little bit of a no-brainer yes you've got the wta top eight um you know in guadalajara and yeah that should absolutely be be the case but certainly i think there should be kind of a complimentary event like they're doing um on the atp side i mean if you think about it you've got players like uh, what radicanu coco goff leila leila fernandez asoria serrano um marta kostuk and lee i mean there's so many clara torson um it feels like yeah there's a big opportunity there to make the most of these players um who are you know coming up the rankings um put them on the radar with a bigger audience um, in a similar way that the, the next gen finals are doing for the, you know, for the men. Um, yeah, definitely. It feels like a bit of a no brainer to me. They used to do one for players who were ranked like nine to 16. A sort mm, of, um, yes. Oh yes. You know, second, ch- not second chance, but sort of the, the, the leftovers. I know that sounds like a terrible expression, but I can't think what it was called. That was an odd one, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't think they do that anymore. But obviously, with this, with the next gen, it would be under twenty one. So you know, those players wouldn't necessarily be in the top sixteen. So yeah, I think I think it'd be a fantastic idea, and there would be so many interesting matchups and players like like all those names you just said. So I just I surprised that yeah, like, I guess it's hopefully you know they can put some money behind it um like you said if things are becoming a bit more joined up but um I just think yeah it's a missed opportunity really um at the moment but perhaps as well it's because I guess with the ATP you know the big three have been so dominant and they really wanted to try and market the next gen as this sort of group of people who were going to take over from the big three whereas in women's tennis it's not had that same sort of you know, Narrative. cohort, like, yeah. I don't know, perhaps that's, it's very different, isn't it? We get people breaking through at, at the age of 18 and that's like a normal 
normal process on the women's tour. So perhaps that that was the rationale behind it. But I'd still love to see a tournament with with you know the young guns out there. So watch the space. Perhaps it will happen in time. But thank you, Graham, for getting in touch with us about that. Um, I also just on this note, like feel good story of the week. This isn't really a segment, but did anyone see the ninety-seven year old man who? went to play at Rafa's Academy and hit with Rafa. I thought that was such a lovely story. Um, he hit a pretty good ball for a 97-year-old. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if I was that age and able to be as active as as he is, like I'd be over the moon. Um, it was a really nice story. Um, it was Le- Leonid Stanislavski. Um, he holds the Guinness World Record for being the oldest player in the world with an ITF license. Uh, he's from Ukraine <laughs> and he went and uh, you know spoke with Rafa. They knocked up on court and uh, I think he went around the academy and and the museum and he uh, yeah he's uh, yeah trailblazing for tennis players of, <laughs> of his age. So I thought that was a really nice really nice story and um, yeah it's pretty nice to see that. Um, but anyway let's move on to the Paris Masters which are happening this week. Um, very excitingly, Novak Djokovic is back in action. Haven't seen him play since the US Open final. So, you know, not sure what to expect, but, you know, he's coming in. He's still the world number one. He's the top seed. Fully expect him to do very well in this tournament. Uh, and, I mean, obviously he's headlining at the top of the draw. He's got quite an an easier quarter, I would say, because his projected quarterfinalist would be Andre Rublev. I'm not sure Rublev's going to get there based on the fact that you know, recent results would suggest he's not in the best form of his life. He may face Taylor Fritz in his first match as well, who, you know, is in the final in St. Petersburg. So, you know, got some good wins under his belt there. Um, Cam Norrie's interestingly in this section of the draw. So that, I mean, I'd love to see a quarterfinal with Cam Norrie against Djokovic. I really hope that happens. I think that'd be a great um, test to see, you know, how Norrie shapes up against Djokovic now you know with Norrie being in I guess the form of his life at the moment I think that would be a fantastic match to see yeah definitely and he's got he's got Del Bonis first up the man with the highest ball toss I think for a lot of a lot of listeners uh but yeah I think that would be I think that would be yeah really decent if he could get through to the quarters bounce back from that that defeat against Ojea Aliassim also because you know again we've still got the ATP um, you know, potential that he could still get into the top eight. So he would like to go deep in this tournament. As you said, I think landing near Rublev is quite a bonus for him. You know, he, he absolutely wiped the floor with him earlier on in the, the hardcore season in America. And, uh, yeah, not really on the, the greatest of, of form at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised actually if, if Taylor Fritz does beat Lorenzo Sonigo, uh, in the first round, if we had a Fritz Rublev second round yeah I would not be surprised if Fritz caused an upset there um I mean yeah elsewhere Gail Monfils is here but as you said I think for Djokovic quite a quite a nice quite a nice routine I mean he's got Fucevic or Fornini first round that's yeah it feels okay I mean Basilashvili has been playing well quite recently um and you know he could potentially be lurking in the third round so um yeah there's certainly some some danger players there but you'd think Novak Djokovic despite you know not having played a lot of tennis should be able to kind of come through that quite that that's that quarter of the draw quite easily yeah in second quarter we've got Sitspas and Herkaj as the projected quarter final um Interestingly, though, Sitsipas may face Lloyd Harris in his first match. And, you know, a lot of people 
perhaps speculating that that could be an upset on the cards as well. Uh, Andy Murray's in this section. He's got a qualifier or, or a lucky loser. We don't know whom yet. Um, if he got through that, probably be playing FAA. So that would be a, you know, a tasty matchup as well. Um, so yeah, some very interesting matches in that segment of the draw. Then bottom half, you've got Kasper Rude and Zverev lined up for a quarterfinal. Uh, TFO's in that section as well, and and Schwartzman or, or Dimitrov Kachanov. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a Masters. There's not many easy matches. Yeah, Dan Evans as well. Um, got Biblick first round. That could, uh, oh, that could go either way. I think. Um, and then at the bottom half, we've got obviously Dan Dan and Medvedev as, as the second seed. Um, he would have a potential quarter with Yannick Sinner. Um, so. But Chilich is in that section, so see in good nick at the moment, Marin Chilich. Um yeah, we await to see who will be colliding into each other in those projected quarterfinals. Will they go to the seedings or not? Um I think, you know, we've also got, you know, Carlos Alcaraz in there as well. Um, you know, it's a whole host of players who could uh go on a bit of a run. Paris Masters is historically, you know, one of those masters that does tend to throw up a, a somewhat surprise winner but I mean you know we just had Indian Wells Cam Norrie winning it so who knows <laughs> yes I know Kim I'm just looking at the first round matches got an absolute throwback for you Grigor Dimitrov Richard Gasquet on a wild card I mean what are we living in like 2000 2011 2012 um yeah in the first round that 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 jumps out at me um so yeah is 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 it just like is he just obligated to be near Hubert Hercage uh, in a main draw of uh, a tennis tournament because um, again they're in very close proximity to each other potentially could meet in round three I mean it, it looks quite favourable opening uh, you know playing a qualifier or a lucky loser but yeah been another interesting matchup against Felix Ogier Aliasim I always remember that they didn't they play at the U.S. Open a few years ago. Um, Murray came through like a five setter in round one, faced FAA in round two, and FAA just, it was just a steam. I would just remember it being an absolute steamroller straight set. So, um, yeah, that could be interesting if that happens. But yeah, it could, it could you know, it, I, we don't really know what form Djokovic is in. I'm not expecting, I wouldn't even say, I know he's the top seed, but I wouldn't necessarily say he's the favorite maybe given given the form and and maybe someone like a a Zverev I think could be quite interesting um but who knows we'll have to wait and see because you know again the other factor is the the ATP end of season finals and this just might motivate some of these players to to do even you know to go further to do more looking at players like Kasparud Yannick Sinner I'd love to see Sinner Medvedev um you know happen in, in a quarterfinal so uh yeah lots of lots of exciting matches last masters of the season you know we've not we've had lots of different winners i think over the masters this year some surprising winners and i would be surprised if we get another surprising winner uh in paris yeah i think if i had to pick i'd say it's djokovic very final but you know, mm. like you said, it, it, that may or may not happen. Um, but let's look at the Billie Jean King Cup, Joel, or I should say the Fed Cup. As you, you know, <laughs> Billie Jean King, it is, a, it is a mouthful. We've said that many a time. BJK um, Cup. Yeah. Um, you're going to be fully on brand, though, aren't you, Joel, when you're there? You, you're not going to be going around <laughs> shouting, hey, I'm at the Fed Cup, because everyone's going to be like, ah, no, you're not. Um, yeah. We've got four groups, uh, 12 countries. Group A, France, Russia, Canada. Group B, Australia, Belarus, Belgium. 
Group C, USA, Spain, Slovakia, and Group D, Czech Republic, Germany, and Switzerland. Um, unfortunately, some of the top names that were due to be there have pulled out. So the likes of Muguruza and Bedosa were due to be there for Spain. Uh, like Team Belarus, unfortunately, don't have Sabalenka or Azarenka. So there are some top names, you know, that aren't able to play. I think France, they don't have Mladenovic, who, you know, when France won the Fed Cup a few years ago, that was, you know, she was a, a major factor in that. Um, but, I mean, looking at that that group, just off the top of, of, of the groups, Group D is looking like the the group of death, you know, Czech Republic, home hopes. Obviously, they have such depth in, in women's tennis. But Germany and Switzerland, you know, got the likes of Bencic and Teichmann and, and Kerber, playing for those it's that's going to be a real tricky group to get out of there yeah it's uh that for me was the the group that I was sort of drawn to given that yeah it feels very competitive it is a bit sad I think that there's only I think Kachikova is the only top five player who will be present but I certainly think there's going to be some really fun matchups um USA and Spain I mean Spain are interesting I mean Spain without Muguruza and Bedosa I think is going to be they're not going to be as competitive as potentially they could have been. Yes, they've got Sara Cerebes Tormo, but I'm not really not really sure who that second singles player could be and, and how effective they're going to be. Um whereas I look at USA. Carlos Suarez Navarro is um is there, which is uh, a nice, you know, nice because yeah. obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. she was hoping to to play it last year when it was supposed to be in Budapest. And so they've included her as part of the team. Whether she'll actually play or not, I don't know. But it's it's nice that she. I hope she can take to the court. I think that would be a, a fitting, uh, you know, fitting send off. Yes, definitely. But I certainly think you're going to be looking at, you know, USA have got a, quite a decent team. Sloane Stevens is there. Danielle Collins, Shelby Rogers. We know that quite hand can be quite handy. Um, and then Russia, I think, have got a very sorry. The Russian Tennis Federation have also got a very. Very decent team with Pavlichenkova, Kasatkina, Alexandrova as well, and Samsonova. You know, some very, some very quality, very consistent, very quality players across the board there, which might help them if they go deep in the tournament. They've got a lot of different resources, I think, to pull on versus, yeah, some of the other teams where you feel like it's it's one really good player and then a few others that are, you know, a little bit little bit below but you certainly look at that russian squad and think yeah there's quality across the board there so um yeah it should be quite interesting i mean kim let's do some very quick predictions group a b c d i think the winners of a and c meet in the semi-finals b and d meet in the semi-finals what are your what are your thoughts who's who who, who have you got coming out on top in each of the groups I've got Russia coming out top of Group A. Um, like you said, I think they've definitely got the strongest team. Um, group B, I've gone for Belgium, actually. Um, Greet Minnan, I think, has been in quite good form lately, and she's their second player. And you've got the likes of Elise Mertens. And considering Belarus, they've got Sasnovich, but they don't have, you know, Sabalenka or Azarenka. And Australia, they've got Tomjanovic, but, you know, I, I, as their strongest player, I'm not convinced. So I've gone for Belgium coming through that group. Uh, USA to come through Group C. Uh, I think you know Shelby Rogers has been in great form. Stevens on her day is obviously fantastic. Um, and Group D, I have gone for Czech Republic. I think the fact they're at home will give them the edge over the other two teams. Um, so I think that for me makes a final between Russia and the Czech Republic. What was your semi-finals? Oh, so sorry. Russia, USA, Russia, USA, Czech, Belgium. So I've got a Russia Czech final, and I. I actually feel like I might give the edge to Russia, despite the Czechs being at home. 
uh sorry russian tennis federation i should say <laughs> yes i you know i'm i'm sort of agreeing with you i actually think australia will win group b for some reason um i think with tom janovic i think storm Sanders could be a bit of a surprise package ellen perez as well i'm hoping she'll be back on twitter giving out free tickets uh which she's been doing over the last few months at the tournament she's been in i'll, I'll be all over that um yeah, and Gavrilova as well. I feel like there's some could be some surprise packages there for Australia. So I'm giving them the the edge, but I, I agree with you on the others. I've got Russia, Australia, USA, Czech Republic. Russia, USA for me. I'm going USA upset there for some reason. Uh I think I just think with Collins and Rogers, that's a pretty formidable, I think, singles like singles pairing. Um and uh, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, they're quite passionate people and I wouldn't be surprised if they are really highly motivated and highly charged for this. So I'm going to, I'm going to back USA for a little, little upset there over a Russia. And I've got Czech Republic coming through Australia in the other semi final. And then I've got, yeah, I can't see Czech Republic not winning. So I've got Czech Republic winning at home versus uh, the USA. So, um, yeah, I've got diff- different finalists, but same outcome. Yeah. Um, I think Czech checking their home fans with with Kredchikovert as well leading it I think they're going to be quite formidable and you'll be there to to watch the action so <laughs> that's very exciting I know uh, I hope you have a lovely time and um get yeah I just think that's yeah fantastic have a few Czech beers isn't isn't Prague oh, the course. beer drinking capital of the world so yes. I'm sure you'll be partaking in some of that as well and I think so. it's the stag do capital as well so no doubt I'll probably see some stag do's out there uh but yeah listeners if any of our listeners are out there and they're like want to meet if they want to meet Joel from the passing shot uh just drop us a message um I'll be there on Monday Tuesday Wednesday uh soaking it all in uh walking about um yeah so uh yeah we'll uh We'll um yeah we'll see how it goes. I'm in I'm in, excited. I'm interested. Uh, we've me and Kim obviously did the Davis Cup, and I've never done the uh, the BJK Cup. So uh, yeah, looking forward to kind of ticking that one off off like the, the fan list. So um yeah, going to be an exciting event. Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this latest catch up with the passing shot. Remember to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Castbox, Stitcher. We are on all good podcasting platforms out there. And you can also listen to us on the downloadtennis.com app. And if you want to show your support for the show, then why not leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts? And you can follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Passing Shot Pod. So do give us a follow and a like and get in touch if you haven't already. Uh, you can also get in touch via email, passingshotpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our website, www.thepassingshot.co.uk. And we will be back next week at Passing Shot HQ to look back on the Fed Cup. Oh, sorry, on the Billie Jean King Cup, on the <laughs> Paris Masters as well, and all the all the other news and events uh, on the ATP and WTA tours. Uh, how will Novak Djokovic's return go in Paris? Who will win the Billie Jean King Cup? We will soon find out. But I hope you can join us for our next catch up, and we will see you again soon. <laughs> Thank you. 
This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.